Liver Love. That's the name of today's little wee transmission, Liver Love. And I want to talk a little bit about how the liver gets stagnant and how we can remedy that. And I also want to discuss that from a dramatic new medicine perspective, because of course, food plays a major part, but there's also emotions. So I think it's good to see it from both kind of like the physicality of food, as well as the emotional aspect of things. So liver love, and today we're not going to be talking about the consumption, or shall I say the consumption of liver. We're going to be talking about our own human livers and how they get stagnant and toxic and how we can rectify that because the liver is essentially one of the most important organs in the body. It's a filter. We cannot live without it. And it also uh, can regenerate. It's regarded as the bodily organ that is most capable of regenerating. So there's a silver lining to this. It's not a doomsday type of thing. And the liver is very closely connected to the gallbladder. The gallbladder, of course, is where they have the bile come out. So first, let's discuss a little bit about bile and how this relates to liver health. And then I want to talk about the GNM perspective of what would be a, a conflict in regards to liver problems, which I think are being manufactured especially in the last couple of years since Oyed AI with the food shortages. I think they're promoting ideas that they're putting into the ethers that are possibly exacerbating or inducing liver issues. So first, here's a wee bit about the liver and about a condition called cholestasis. Now that word chol, C-H-O-L-E, is related to bile, the bile duct, or gall, like the gallbladder. And the word gall has to do with bitterness, like someone has the gall to do something bitter, bold, essentially. And stasis means stagnant. So they say sometimes in uh, TCM, someone has blood stasis. That would be a form of stagnation. Chances are if someone has blood stasis, they're also dealing with some cola stasis. Now here's a little bit about how all of this works. And this all works into the whole vitamin A thing too. So consider this what I'm saying right now to kind of be an addendum to what we spoke about on the last show, the ancestral con. So the liver makes bile. Bile is a very toxic substance. We should consider it kind of like a poop for the liver. If the feces that comes out of our bums is the poop for the large intestine, bile is the poop for the liver. Our livers bind the toxins we take into bile and release this bile into the large intestines. Soluble fiber is what binds the bile to our large intestines and carries it out of the body, so sweeps it out. A deficiency of soluble fiber in the diet, like many of the common diets these days, some of the paleo regimes, the carnivorous ones, these supposed ancestral regimes, can lead to a situation where bile is being chronically reabsorbed by the bloodstream and recirculated in the system rather than being detoxed via pooping. And this would also be considered a form of estrogen dominance because we're not able to get out those toxins and old hormones if we're chronically reabsorbing the toxic bile. Beans, especially, but also many grains are the supreme source of soluble fiber in our diets. Soluble fiber can also cause bile to be released from the liver. So if beans or grains are making you feel ill, it could be because you have a lot of stored toxicity, not because beans and grains aren't healthy foods. So we see through a lot of these ancestral diets in the last 10 years, the villainization of these staple foods, which all cultures, regardless of race and area, unless they were in a very 
very hot or typically more cold region, they couldn't have things like these. We were told these foods were terrible. I believed it. You possibly listening believed it too. Were they really terrible? Or was our, our digestion of these foods terrible due to stagnant bile? Hmm. So these are not, these are, these could make someone feel ill or make them not feel good because they have a lot of bile they need to kind of move out of the system. Beans and grains must be approached with care slowly and gradually. So, you know, switching one's diet drastically overnight can incur turbulence, of course. Soluble fiber can trigger the release of bile. And most people today, like we just mentioned, have, have these stagnant livers with a condition called cholestasis. So when our livers are maxed out with toxins as well as vitamin A, vitamin A and other toxins, vitamin A is a toxin, but we're talking about it this whole context, they can, they can only store so, so, so much. And remember that we women naturally have smaller livers than men. We also have more estrogen. So this can hit us harder. So when our livers get maxed out with vitamin A and other toxins, our bile ducts become damaged. And instead of bile going out to the large intestine and out of the body via evacuation, the bile begins to back up into the bloodstream and even back up higher into the gastrointestinal tract. This is cholestasis. Many modern diseases can be directly linked to this problem. For example, morning sickness is a common example of cholestasis, which of course in the Zog allopathic system, they consider that normal or they consider it protective. It's a form of stagnant bile and stagnant liver. And of course, with all the pregnancy hormones and the, um, the, the excess of estrogen, it's, it can happen. But of course, it's something that doesn't just turn on. It's something that slowly takes time. Beans and grains can trigger the release of bile, which can become a big problem if you are cholestatic. So like I was saying, we see all these people in the last 10 years through all these, these diets saying that they cannot handle these foods. It's because it was essentially triggering a detox, right? And oftentimes we're told that a detox, whether it be something like a bile dump, something like um, a virus, you know, or what we think is a virus, which could actually be considered a bile dump as well. We're told, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Take something toxic to, to, to suppress the toxicity that's getting out of you, right? That's essentially what taking ivermectin is or taking NyQuil or literally taking anything, whether it's a herb or it's a over-the-counter or if it's a Zog medication, it's suppressing the toxicity. And in certain instances, it can actually halt someone from dying, right? Because the person is so toxic that the viral or bacterial detox will actually kill them. But it's a buy now, pay later situation because it doesn't get to the root cause. But in instances when someone is so exceedingly toxic, it kind of halts the detox, which could actually kill them. I hope that makes sense. It takes years to get toxic. Healing and detoxing is a long game that should be approached slowly and cautiously. Removing all toxins or introducing tons of soluble fiber all at once can make you suffer. So like many things that are worthwhile, it's not some quick fix pill. It's it's the long game, right? And I think that I think that anyone who really has a holistic perspective on things should understand that this is how results happen. It's not some quick fix overnight. So that was a little introduction about how the whole thing happens, how we get the stagnation in the first place. So now let's talk about it from the GNM perspective and how that works. So in dramatic new medicine, they consider liver issues to be a starvation conflict or an existential conflict. And just for cliff notes or parentheses, 
the gallbladder and the bile ducts are considered to be territorial anger conflicts. So examples of existential or starvation conflicts for the liver could be fear of one's own existence because of hardship, poverty, food shortage, fear of starving because of crop failure or unemployment, a lack of love, a lack of sex, a lack of money, a lack of attention, a lack of recognition can all be perceived as an existential threat. So it's actually a literal starvation threat because of food shortage, hardship, or poverty, or it's an existential threat of starving for love, starving for sex, starving for money, starving for attention, starving for recognition. So I'm thinking the last couple of years with Oyed AI and the food shortages, whether they were you know manufactured or not, whether they were actually perceived to be correct or incorrect, notice how that created this kind of aura that people had to stock up because there wasn't going to be enough of something. So that actually was Zog inducing a starvation conflict. People were hoarding food. They were overeating. They had the scarcity mindset, which has really not gone away. I mean, they've been promoting that scarcity mindset since, I mean, there are still people I know who are boomers who have the scarcity mindset because they were children of the depression. Their parents lived through the depression, the stock market crash, depression, all that stuff. They still have the scarcity mindset. So Zog decided to pump up and, and jazz up the scarcity mindset once again for Boyd AI. And essentially the scarcity mindset is running multiple tracks for different things all the time, but they got a real chance to pump it up with Oyed AI. So we see this happening. We see people having liver problems, people, you know, basically just kind of becoming more scared of things. And I have to say, I really haven't seen too many food shortages really affect me too much. And it's also interesting to notice that a lot of the foods that are in shortage or that the price is going up are actually high in vitamin A. So that's something to, that's something to consider. And I think also what, what can cause this scarcity mindset and cause this starvation conflict are many of these ancestral diets where we're told, oh, we've got to eat as many of these nutrient-dense foods as possible. Otherwise, we won't have enough, you know, minerals and vitamins and we'll be starving. So we have to, you know, pound all this liver and, and eat all this food. Otherwise, we're going to be starving. I think a better approach is to avoid toxins than to clamor for what we consider to be nutrient density. Think about back in the day when Dr. Price was doing his studies in the 30s and 40s and going all around uh, the world, you know, Dr. Weston A. Price studying these tribes. He was not seeing people who had that mindset of gorging on these sacred foods. It wasn't an option for that. Oftentimes these foods would go to certain people of the tribe who needed them the most. So we've completely and totally lost the context of how to eat these foods. Now they're available to everybody. But now we have this issue where we've gotten too many of these foods into our system, some of us, right? Whether it was too many of the plant foods, too many of the animal foods. And again, they like to play the divide between plant and animal. Remember, it's always nuanced, it's always somewhere in the middle. It's always a radical centrist, national socialist, you know, balanced racialist perspective. It's never one of these, you know, back and forth extremes. Zog loves to promote those and they love when people cling to one of these extremes. So it makes better sense, especially living in this Zoggy Zog world, which is really toxic, is to avoid the toxins as opposed to clamoring for nutrient density. 
because we're always told, we always to think, why are we being told to do this? Why is this being advertised? Why your whole life that you weren't eating this way, everything was fine, and now it's not? It really starts with the mentality first, and we can see this very clearly with the whole GNM perspective of, of the liver being, you know, so starvation conflict, right? So of course, many foods can create these liver problems, but one's mentality can also create these problems. And if someone has a liver problem, the liver is the life force. You take the word liver, you take the R off, you have live, right? So there's a lot of life force within the liver. It's also tied to many ailments inside the system because of the filtering mechanism of the body is not able to filter out if it's overloaded with toxins how is the person really going to be living, right? They may be going through the motions, but they're not really thriving in that sense. And things like low libido, which often happen as someone goes on in their years, we're told actually in GNM as well as in allopathy, oh, it's totally normal. It's not totally normal. It's a sign of a toxic liver. If we don't have the life in us, the drive, right? No drive, no life. Psychic drive or energy or sexual instinct is what libido is considered to be. So if we're lacking libido, we're lacking appetite for sex, we're lacking appetite for food, those are signs of death in an organism. Like if an animal was lacking drive for sex and appetite, the animal would probably die. Now for humans, typically what happens is we don't necessarily die, but we can kind of become vampiric when we lack this life essence. We lack the psychic drive or energy. So when we don't have this libido, this instinct, we either become a vampire or we basically redirect that creative sexual energy into things like meditation, research, and yoga, which we've seen many times in the past be done. But if someone's not engaged in the drive aspect from the sexual or the appetite perspective, and they're not engaged in it from maybe more of the ascetic perspective of meditation, research, and yoga, then I think it's just a, a vampiric state. But it's vampiric based on the fact that the liver is toxic because there's stagnation and there's no flow, no flow, no life, no drive, no energy. And you have to ask yourself, what are you living for, right? So if your liver is not getting the love it needs, what are you living for? interesting questions to ask oneself. And I'm thinking about all this type of stuff. I've been doing a lot of reflection on, on all of this stuff and just seeing it with a, a larger lens, seeing things from more of a panoramic perspective. And I'm also thinking about many of the common diets nowadays and how they're going to utilize a lot of these popular not really ancestral at all. Remember, whenever they're calling something something, it's probably the opposite of that. That's just how they work. It's just how they do. It's just what, what it is. So I'm thinking this year, many people don't know about this vitamin A thing. They still haven't found out. I was, I was fortunate to find it out and, and take it seriously. And I shared it here. I did a little lecture this weekend with some people and I, I shared it with them. But they are going to, they are going to in the next year or so, really be promoting these liver destruction diets very, very heavily on the Twitter, on the Instagroid, Facebook, Shit Talk, uh, Tom Woodgram, all the sites. Uh, they've already been doing it prior, but now they're really going to be ramping it up a lot because remember, they want people to be um, ill. That's uh, their goal. They want to weaken people. If they just offed everyone overnight, clicked a button, it would be too obvious, right? And they also, they get, they get the fun of 
seeing someone decline. It's like a kitten with a ball of yarn. They, they enjoy the process. So be prepared to see a lot of psyoping and shilling uh, from these liver destruction diets in the calendar year 2023 and beyond. There, of course, are many people who know exactly what they are doing. And there are a lot of people who were just um, Tom Fools. At one point, I was actually in that latter category as a Tom Fool because I did not know. I'm obviously not controlled opposition, but there are a lot of people out there who are controlled opposition who are going to be promoting just the most uh, mind-zoggling things that may not seem mind-zoggling right now, but once we can see through it, we'll be able to see just how obviously mind-zoggling it is. So now I just wanted to share a couple of groovy liver tips, just a, a few basic tips just to get people thinking, well, what can I do? I, I want to make a change. It's the new year. I'm, I'm feeling a little stagnant. I want to do something good for myself. What can I do? Okay, three simple tips. Number one would be to avoid stimulants. Some examples of stimulants would be toxins, all different types of toxins, but it specifically things like glyphosate. So making sure you're getting organic food, especially with grains, make sure that if you're eating grains that they're organic. Things like oats can have glyphosate, especially wheat. If you're eating wheat, you don't have to do wheat. I would more recommend that people do like the ancient wheats, maybe like kamut, if you can tolerate. I'm not really a, a big wheat person. I stick to barley and rye because they were less hybridized, meaning they have less gluten and they're less franken and they're less zoggy. So make sure you're not eating foods with glyphosate. Um, stay away from the foods that have high A, especially the liver and the dark green and the orange vegetations. Stay away from white sugar. Um, stay away from cold temperature foods. Stay away from seed oils and stay away from caffeine, especially coffee. So coffee long term will actually raise estrogen and shorten the menstrual cycle, which will worsen the cholestasis, which is the stagnant flow of bile. Short term, when they do these cellular studies, cellular theory is a hoax, by the way, when they do these cellular theory, cellular st um, studies, it shows the opposite of this. And Big Z always uses these cellular theories to show something happening in the instant between one cell and say, oh, this is good. This is good to go. Let's put it out as a research thing. When we always have to think about long-term how something works. So long-term coffee raises estrogen. And you're asking yourself, why is it being recommended on all these popular diets these days as a metabolic pro-progesterone food when it raises estrogen? That's because they want your liver to be destroyed. Also keep in mind that coffee shops are around every corner. People around the world are drinking more coffee than ever before. Coffee addiction is even more acceptable these days than alcohol addiction. It's even more acceptable than smoking a cigarette. You could light up a joint. You could be eating um, sugar. You could be having coffee, alcohol. No problem. Light up a cigarette. You're automatically a pariah. Coffee is also high in polyphenols, which are alcohols. Anything that ends in OL, erythritol, malitol, calciferol, tocopherol, retinol, polyphenols all alcohols, right? So anything that's an alcohol will slow down detox, right? Also, coffee can deplete you of vitamins. I mean, it does have some things like magnesium and, and a couple of B vitamins, but it will, it will um, pull other vitamins out of your system because it, it raises cortisol and adrenaline. And it's interesting to notice that 
beans, not coffee beans, but other beans in general, will lower cortisol and adrenaline when coffee will up it. All the popular diets these days are about raising stress hormones and lowering sex hormones under the guise that they're doing the opposite. Remember, they invert everything for a reason. Coffee is also bitter, and bitter tastes is how nature marks a poisonous substance, right? Just some food for thought right there. So number one, avoiding stimulants. Number two, getting on top of detox protocols and modalities. Yoga, lifting weights, um, having a sauna practice or a steam shower, uh, doing charcoal packs, walking, having sex. And if you don't have a sauna or a steam shower, you can do something that will mimic that a little bit. You can get a great sweat or maybe take a warm shower or a warm bath, or you can take a hot washcloth that you've put into a, a basin of very hot water and you can squeeze that out and then rub your skin with that. And that'll give you a very nice pink glow and it will kind of um, stimulate the lymph and you can squeeze it out and then you can soak it again in water and then rub your whole body from your, um, your face all the way down to your feet. You could do your genitals as well. So we want to avoid the stimulants and we want to detox, gentle detox. I'm not talking about crazy stuff like things that I would have thought were acceptable back in the day, like let's say taking a ton of, you know, herbs to push through something or sticking a tube up your bum and putting warm coffee up it. Not into that anymore. So gentle detox, gentle physical fitness, doing stuff with, with heat, doing stuff with charcoal, making love. These are good ways to detox and they're fun. And finally, number three, a balanced diet that is high in protein and high in soluble fiber. These days, you do not see many regimes that fit into those two things. You see plenty of diets that are going to be high fiber, maybe some of these plant-based regimes. Of course, they're typically brimming with um, vitamin A, vegetation, and fruits. And then you see some of these more, quote, ancestral, or shall I say, triple parentheses, ancestral diets where they're high in protein, but there's no fiber. So you want a diet that's going to be low to no seed oil, high quality animal protein, good quality food in general, high in soluble fiber, low in vitamin A, and high in B vitamins, which of course you could get from the animal protein. And I want to give an example of a, a sample meal because that may all sound good on paper, but you might say to yourself, what does that mean? What is she talking about? So I'm just going to give a sample meal of something that I enjoy these days. I remember a meal also, besides what I just said, you always wanna have a meal that has a balance of the macronutrients, a meal that has a carbohydrate, a meal that has a little bit of fat, and a meal that has a good amount of protein. So here's an idea for a sample meal, like let's say something I would make in the evening. So let's say you have a lean bison steak, maybe like a skirt steak or a sirloin steak. It doesn't have to be a fancy steak. You can get pretty good steaks these days at a good price, especially if you buy them in bulk. So let's say you have a lean steak of uh, beef or bison. Then you have a serving of beans on the side. I like to buy dry beans. I soak them overnight and in the morning I wash off the water. I check for stones. I put them into a pot. I cover them with an inch of water. I add a bay leaf and a drop of olive oil and I cook them for an hour to an hour and a half depending on their size. So I always have beans in the fridge. So very easy to make these meals too. It's not a lot of effort. Food should be fun. Being alive should be fun. Detoxing should be fun. Avoiding stimulants should be fun. It should all be a cosmic joy. So we have our lean steak. 
we have our beans on the side, then we have some sort of grain. Um, let's say we have some barley mixed with some rice that we soaked and drained off the water that we cooked in our rice cooker. And then we have a low vitamin A vegetable on the side. Let's say we have some steamed green beans with butter. Now that is a very satisfying, very tasty, very easy to make meal. And it's much more affordable than all of this Zio sludge out there that we're told we have to eat this to get this or eat this to do that. Forget about that. Forget about the mental gymnastics and the nonsense that these approaches take. Um, it's not worth your time and it's not worth your liver's energy to do something which ultimately will cause liver destruction. So just stick to the basics. Think about the basics. So again, a lean piece of meat, beans, a low A vegetable, green beans, could be uh, peeled steamed zucchini, could be uh, a stir fry of celery and white carrots, and then some type of uh, grain on the side, or it even could be a potato now and again, but this is very simple stuff. The only way you'll know if you like it or it works is if you try it yourself. That's always the best way. It's like when Terrence McKenna says, the only thing that's really real is your experience, you know, your meals, your sex, your life, you know, your physical fitness regime. Everything else is just someone else's interpretation of what they've done. And then you trying to figure out, is this for me? The best way to figure out something is for you is to try it yourself and do it. So that's all I have for this little transmission today called Liver Love. I hope that was easy listening and good information. Hope everyone's having an amazing Tuesday and we'll be connecting again soon on the, uh, on the next transmission or broadcast. Okay, everybody. Satnam.